And we are live. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Soul Survivor podcast. Ryan and I back to recap the finale of Survivor 45. And <laughs> better late than never, but we're here. Uh, almost a week after the finale, we had some stuff that we had to deal with. Couldn't get time to podcast, but we are, we're here. We're here. We're finally here. We ha- had to make sure we got it in. Yeah, Dylan, I'm really excited to talk about the finale. It was a really fun season. We got a bit delayed with the holidays, uh, with some traveling. I was under the weather as well, but we are here. I've been itching to talk about uh, our new winner, D. Can't wait to dive into this finale with you. Yeah, I mean, how about that? We finally got the dominant winner that we have been craving on this podcast for since Tony. I mean, uh and let me just let me just let me just take credit for myself. I said in the preview podcast uh, last week, I said that I got everything right except second and third place. So like by a couple votes, I switched Jake and Austin. Um, but I thought Katara, uh, I thought I thought Julie was going to go at five. I thought Katara was going to go at four. Uh, I thought the final three would be D Austin and Jake with. D taking Austin or Austin taking D. Um, Unfortunately, the only thing I got wrong was that I thought that the jury was actually not going to give Austin any respect because the edit kind of made it seem like he was kind of just like, you know, uh, making his decision based on emotion and not based on actual strategy. And he ended up selling his game really, really well. And the jury, and the jury, I think gave him the respect that he deserved. I just didn't think he was going to get that respect. Um, so he comes in second place on a five, three vote, uh, with D coming in first. So much to talk about here. Um, what were your thoughts on the finale, Ryan, and just the season overall? Yeah, I think Dylan, you brought up a really good point. I think that's why we liked this finale so much and we'll get to the season as a whole towards the end, but because a lot of the new era in its season and its format has felt very similar and the finales are no different. Every finale so far, Dylan the winner was decided by a 7-1 vote where it's pretty much a landslide. Someone gets shut out. Someone gets one vote. The rest all go to somebody else. Um, the final five vote is usually like, I don't want to say a mercy kill. Mercy kill is a little too harsh, but it's kind of like, you know, like let's get, you know, Ricard has to go. Lauren has to go. Um, Lindsay has to go. Like that, that, that threat that has to get taken out and they, they have no shots. Very simple final five vote. Um, so usually the finale kind of follows that same format. We're like, okay, the finale was, was fine. But this finale, Dylan, to have a 5-3 vote where D narrowly beats Austin. And we were I, we were sitting there like, is Jeff about to announce a tie? And uh, and Jake's going to have to decide the winner. And then you look at the final five vote, and that was a, can't wait to break this down with you, a 2-1-1-1 one, one, one vote. Miraculous. So I think that's why this was such a great finale, Dylan, because it kind of shook off the expectations we had from the last four, and this felt very fresh and fun. Yeah, it was awesome. I, I enjoyed this finale a lot. Um, I've been very vocal about enjoying the season a lot, and the season got the ending that I hoped it would. Um, and l- like I said, I, I think D is a fantastic winner. Yeah. I think that she played a dominant game. I think if you talk about, you know, outwit, outlast, outplay, like, she i would out play at last like she was great in all three facets of the game she won challenges uh her strategy good her uh social game probably one of the best we've seen ever like like it was it was incredible stuff to watch um i thought the finale you know i i was worried a little bit you know that final five and we could get into that right now like i i thought for a while that d was going to be the vote there um it seemed inevitable that you know, with, you know, Jake, Jake, uh, Jake had his idol, Austin wins immunity. And I'm like, okay, well, it's either going to be Julie or D. Um, and Katara realized that D was the biggest threat in the game and wanted to take her out. Um, and the plan was that. And then Katara backs out of her plan at the last second at Tribal Council, resulting in a 2-1-1-1 vote, something that we have never seen on Survivor. Obviously, the vote on Katara gets canceled out by Jake playing his idol on her, and Julie ends up going home uh, during this tribal with the votes for Julie being Austin and Katara. The vote, and then Jake voted for D. D voted for uh, Katara, and Julie voted for Jake. 
So absolute wacky tribal council. And I mean, people were saying it was messy. It was absolutely messy. It was, it, it was anything we could have hoped for, for a final five vote. I mean, it was unbelievable. I see a lot of people that were, you know, mad on Reddit or mad on Twitter that Qatar backed out of this plan to take out D and we're not happy about this vote. I think like this is the beauty of Survivor, right? Is like, this is the ultimate test of, you know, could you get on the same, could, could the Bellows finally get on the same page? And they couldn't. Like, I think if you, if you listen to, um, you know, what Katara said on the show and everything post-game, like Katara said she just could not t- trust Jake. She did not feel comfortable trusting Jake. As a result, this ends up happening and she votes Julie because she thinks she's going to save herself by doing so. Um, just a wild, wild, wild vote. And I'm excited to break this one down further. Yeah, I mean, I think this was the culmination of the Bello story. It really was a metaphor, like they could just never get on the same page. And if they were able to get on the same page, this whole game could look different. The two inflection points for me are, if at the swap tribal council, if Drew goes over Brando, the game looks a lot different. And if Kelly doesn't get blindsided at the final 10, and the Bellows are able to get on the same page and vote out Ariba, the game also looks different. And like a lot of people are saying, Kelly probably crushes the end game so those were the two points where bellows completely just lost the plot and this was the summary of that storyline that jake and katura can't get on the same page um i will admit i because of the holidays and everything else going on i haven't gotten to go through all the post-game press i plan to do that this week i've gotten through like the, some of the highlights but my understanding is katura has said something that d said at tribal council that wasn't shown is one of the things that made her kind of flip her votes. Obviously, she also flipped her vote because she couldn't fully trust Jake and that she wanted Jake to vote for D, but she didn't know if Jake was really telling her the truth. He kind of wasn't because he did vote for D, but he didn't tell her he was going to play his idol on her. Right. Um, but that was one reason why she wanted to flip her vote, but also it's because she says, and what we didn't see, D says something like, I know who's going home tonight and she's very sad. And that may have spooked Katura a bit and caused her to flip her vote. Um Again, when I listen to the press, post-game press, I want to see what Katura also explains there as well. But it's clear to me she was trying to do a little bit of what Devin Pinto did in Triple H, where in her mind, it's like, if all the votes go onto one person, a stray vote can kind of send me out with the idol. So she threw a vote onto Julie to save herself. Um, Clearly, she didn't know that Austin was going to be voting for Julie as well, and Julie gets sent home. I think when we talk about D towards and throughout this podcast, we're going to say D played a great game. Dylan D was never in danger. Uh, D was always in control. Uh, She was so well insulated. This was the one vote where she was vulnerable. Unlike a Kim Spradling game where Kim was virtually just never, ever in danger. D's name came up, but D was really never in danger of going home until this final five vote. And if it wasn't for Katara changing her vote, D would have been gone and we would have had maybe Julia Austin as our winner. Um, So I get Dylan why Katara flipped her vote to protect against the idol because she didn't know if Julie was going to whip one out or whatnot. But clearly, she's even said in hindsight, both on the show and off the show, if I didn't flip my vote, we would have taken out D there, a big threat, and maybe this would have looked different. Yeah, I think I think it's it's definitely interesting. And I, she's getting a lot of hate for making this move. And of course, like, it was a bad move, but also, like, that was a crazy, crazy vote. Like, I, I think, like, like it, it's hard to imagine what you would do in that situation. Um, what I will say is, if you were in Katur's spot, like if I was in Katara's spot, I would hope that I would be willing to make that big swing given my standing in the game, right? So like if, if she goes out at five, if she goes out at five there, but is making a huge swing like that at D, then it's like, all right, you went, you went out swinging. If you're just going to like save yourself, then, uh, you know, like you're just surviving and advancing without actually making really a big move. Um, so yeah. And the other thing I'll say is D is, I'm seeing people say like D is D's win like less dominant uh, for for this vote, and the answer is no, to my, in my opinion, because one, what it proves to me is that she simply had a better social game than everybody else out there, right? Um, <clears throat> and and what I mean by that is the bond between Julie Austin and D was so strong that Katara was worried that the plan was not going to work. Katara also could not trust Jake, so her social game, their social game, was just simply not as strong. Like they couldn't get on the same page. Um, so that's kind of how I think of it, right? Like if you have a good social game, like lucky stuff like this is going to happen to you. Um, and, and again, like, I know a lot of people have been saying this, like every survivor winner has had some sort of luck happen to them. Like it it is what it is. Um, so yeah, 
Doesn't take away from D's dominant game, but yeah, this was an absolutely wild vote. Um, and Austin, even in post-game press, has said that um, he was planning on voting Katura and at the last second kind of switched his vote to Julie um, because the last two votes before that he had, or yeah, the last two votes before that he had voted Julie and he said he felt bad about it, but he felt like there was an excuse to making that vote because he could like hide behind Drew and say it was like Drew's idea to vote Julie. So I was kind of following that. Um, but here he was like, there's no Drew in the game. So I felt very, very guilty voting Mama J out. Right. But then at the last second, he said to himself, this is like the move I need to make in order to give myself the best chance to win. And he like kind of removed the emotion part of it. Um, so that's interesting as well that he kind of at the last second switches votes. So it's just, it's just an absolutely crazy, crazy final five vote. One that we maybe one of the craziest in, in Survivor history. Oh, absolutely. This was a very fun final five vote. And by the way, even more evidence why I wish fire making would go away and we could have a final four vote. Because imagine final four vote has a lot of craziness too. Julie's out there. And then you never know who gets voted out at final four. Right. Maybe Austin and D vote together against Jake and Katara, 2-2 tie. Or to go even more bellow, Jake and Katara split their votes at the final four as well. So like you never really know what could happen if there was a final four vote. But you're right. This final five vote was very exciting and fun. And that's why on paper, it's clear that Katara should have voted out D. And I think if you go results-oriented, she should have voted out D. But you're right. You never really know what's going to happen because to your point – Austin says, last minute, I changed my vote from Katura to Julie. Obviously, Jake still plays the idol, negates uh, Katura's two votes. And Ju and then it, we actually have then a 1-1-1 one, one, one between Jake, D, and Julie, who goes out there. Um, if um, if it's D, Ju Julie, and Jake with one vote, and the only votes are still Austin and Katura. That Dylan, we, we, could, we, could we go to Rocks then? Because imagine if in that scenario, Austin keeps his vote on Katura, those two votes get canceled. D, Julie, and Jake each get one vote. Austin and Katura have to vote. Austin's not voting for D. Austin probably still votes for Julie there. And Katura probably then says, oh, shoot, I messed up. I should vote for D. We could have had a tie there as well. So that's why I can't blame Katura because you don't really know what could have happened. And the biggest reason of all is that she had no way of knowing that Jake was going to play his idol on her. If Jake could have just right. said to her, I'm going to save you with the idol maybe that could have been different. But in the end, she should have voted out D, but I cannot like fully, fully blame her for like why she decided to flip her vote. And one more aspect of this I want to talk about is Jake obviously had this idol. We knew about it coming in. We knew it was going to play a big factor in this final five vote. Um, as soon as, so first of all, Austin wins the immunity challenge. And, you know, again, we could, we could get into absolutely classic survivor challenge here. Uh, Austin did a great job of, you know, uh, kicking down the puzzle, of course. Uh, Jake, tough scene, leaving the piece on the table. Of course, Jeff had to uh, Jeff has to call it out, walk over the piece and point and be like, see this right here? <laughs> that, that, that was cruel. That was cruel. Uh, but yeah, bottom line is Austin does a great thing by bringing Jake to Sanctuary. I thought that was a really underrated move and honestly didn't get talked about a lot. But like I was cringing because I thought that he was going to take D. And he ends up taking Jake, which was genius because you basically remove the, and I, I, he didn't know about the idol yet, but you you basically leave D at camp and Julie at camp and you remove the, the possibility of a move being made against you while you're on reward. Um, so that was a great move. Um, but as soon as they get to the sanctuary where good things happen, uh, Jake, you know, takes out his idols like, Hey, I got this. Uh, let's go, let's go for Julie. Um, and then they get they get back to camp, and of course, Austin tells D, Jake tells Katara, and all of a sudden everybody knows about the idol. Um, words words spreads to Julie. So my question here for you is, was what was what was Jake trying to accomplish here by telling everybody about the idol? Um, and do you think this was the right move, or should he have kept it completely quiet? Again, in hindsight, I think he should have kept it quiet because right, right. Ima imagine it's kept quiet. Everybody probably says, you know what, we've, we've been trying to get Jake out for weeks now. Let's just vote Jake out. Everybody votes for him. Tura. I mean, although she could have, I guess, voted for D anyway. Uh, Jake pulls out the idol and negates all the Reba votes. And then 
D probably goes home there. So he doesn't say anything. Obviously, in this new era, people have to share absolutely everything. I get wanting to share information with an ally to build that trust. But obviously here, the reason why Jake does it, I think, is because he wants to create that sense of like initial immunity. He wants to create that sense of like, okay, before we even get to tribal, I'm off the table. You can't even vote for me. Now, we've seen this many times before. You know, obviously Mike Holloway did this with like Shireen where he was like, I'm going to play my idol on Shireen. You can't vote for Shireen tonight. You know, I have my my necklace. I'm safe tonight. And then what happens is that, you know, Shireen still goes home, but he uses that information to get people to kind of crack it. Like, oh, Will flipped his vote. Dan flipped his vote, whatever it was. And then he saves his idol for next week. So people have done this for many seasons, like using a, and, and Tony, I mean, Jake did the Tony where he was like, can you validate this for me, Jeff? Can you validate this? <laughs> like creating that initial sense of immunity where you can't touch me. And then you can bluff. So I see what Jake was trying to do. I just think if he wanted to get D out there to give himself and also for Katora any chance of beating D, Julie, or J, uh, Austin, I really feel like he should have just kept it quiet. But he was trying to create that like that shield where like you can't even touch me. I think in his mind he was maybe trying to like steer the votes on Katora and then play his idol on her and get the and get the move. So I I kind of understand from that aspect. Now in terms of like. Katara kept saying, like, Jake didn't, well, Jake didn't tell me he was going to play his idol on me. Well, like, yeah, obviously, like, like, Jake should not have told Katara that he was going to play his idol on her because then, then you really open up the possibility to giving your idol away and getting blindsided with it. So that you cannot do. So I, I, I don't fault Jake for that. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I just thought it was interesting that he came back and told anyone, yet not surprising given the new era. Um, all right, yeah. Only thing we're really missing here at this final five voter before is uh, JT Gabler Denise. Uh, that that was pretty funny. So sh shout out, shout out Jake. By the way, like like this was a, a fun episode for Jake. Uh, obviously, for, well, 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 a fun episode for us watching Jake. I should say, not a fun episode for Jake himself. Um, I thought, like, you know, for a guy that kept Charlie Browning the entire season, swinging yeah. and missing, swinging and missing gets the advantage, leaves a piece on the table, breaks the final four challenge uh, <laughs> where, where Jeff has to call him out and, and, and disqualify him because he breaks the challenge because he's frustrated. Like, for this guy to just swing and miss so many times, not give up, and then win final final four fire to get into the final three, like, that was an awesome moment to see him make fire to get in. So I enjoyed watching, like, the conclusion of Jake's arc, like I said. <laughs> not the best episode, not not the most fun episode for Jake himself, but for me, it was fun watching it because that was like that was the perfect send off for Jake, in my opinion. Like, I think that was that was I would much rather see a goat like Jake than like somebody just getting dragged to the end. Like, this is a guy who had to scratch and claw his way to the final three the entire season, and we basically saw it. Great character, uh, hope to see him play again. Um, but yeah. Uh, where I, I, I went on, a, I went off on a complete tangent there, but, uh, yeah. Uh, Jake, man. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, look, D's the winner and I'm very happy that D won, but I feel like you, everyone's been saying this was like Jake's finale. Like Jake was the main character of this finale so much so that I was texting you and other people. And I was like, Jake's not going to win. At least I'm pretty sure he's not going to win because it should be D and if not D then Julia Ross. And I'm like, but Jake's getting a lot of visibility for someone who is perceived to be the final three go. Even Owen, who had the same Charlie Brown edit, was not getting this much visibility in the finale. And I feel like Cassidy got a lot in the finale. Obviously, Jesse got a lot in the finale, even like Carla before she got voted out. But like I was saying, this is Jake's finale. His idol play, which didn't end up working. Him breaking the challenge, which we will get to very shortly. Uh, him like you said, concluding his arc of never being able to succeed at anything in the game to finally succeeding in something and winning fire, but he can't win. Um, this really, again, was Jake's episode. And I thought this was a really fun conclusion for a really fun character. I don't know if we'll ever see Jake again. Um, I think he is a very rootable, lovable underdog. And I think the audience really kind of connected with him. So... I think he really had a, like you said, it wasn't the most fun probably for him to experience, but for us watching, it was kind of a very fun conclusion to his story. And it was really uh, fun to see Jake out there. Yeah. And, and like you said, based on the first 20, 30 minutes, even more of this episode, I was thinking that this could be a Jake or Katara win. Um, and I, I was 
nervous, I should say, because I wanted D to win and I was rooting for that. Um, and I was like, is this really going to be a Jager Guitar win? Like, is this going to be another Gabler type out of nowhere type thing? Um, and I, I thought it was maybe going to be. And then as soon as I, they foreshadowed it so nicely when they were like, Katara was like, if we don't make this move on D right now, she's going to win final four immunity. And, and she's going to end up, you know, winning the game. Um, and that's exactly what happened. Like as, as soon as, as soon as they did not get D out when they had the chance at final four, I was like, it's locked up. Like it's locked up. She's going to, she's going to win the season. Um, and then especially to take that another step further, once I saw, once I saw the final immunity challenge, I was like, "This this is the most D challenge ever." She's gonna win this one, and it was. I, I mean, I, Dylan, this was. It didn't have like the little mechanism, but this was literally the same challenge that Kim Spradlin won with the uh, with the little discs and maneuvering the discs. Granted, she had to move it up like a structure versus go through that that trap maze thing. Right. But like, you're right. Once once D didn't get voted out, I'm like, the only way D doesn't win is if she gets taken out in fire. And then to your point, you see the challenge, like, oh, this has D written all over it. And then the minute D won, and I thought this was a great finale, Dylan. I will agree with you. Once we hit, like, 9 o'clock Eastern and D won the Final Four challenge, I'm like, okay, D, D won the game. Like, like, I can just basically stop. Like, D already won, won the finale, so. Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, it, it was a cool, ch- it was a cool challenge. Like, I, I not, not the actual challenge itself, but I think, like, the way it played out, like, like D winning it, Plus Jake breaking it was, was pretty funny. And like, I always love, one of the things I always love to see is like the emotion people show when they win the final four immunity challenge. Like you don't imagine what that must feel like. And for D it was like, she literally started crying. Like when she was putting the last disc on, like she, she knew she won the game basically at that point, you know, um, that, that was awesome to see. Um, and then just to talk about like, if we move on to obviously D's decision, um, to take Austin with her. I think we all knew that was going to, like we all knew that Austin was going to take D or D was going to take Austin. Obviously they had like a final two promise to each other, but also like Katara seemed to be perceived as maybe a little bit more threatening than we expected um, by Austin and D. Um, I think that they really thought that she could get some votes at the end if she got there. So again, I think D's decision was, I, I texted you this in real time. I was like, D's decision is such a new era problem. Like she was like, I don't want to give Austin a, a leg up on making fire and beating somebody and taking somebody out. And he could put that on his resume. Like that's one more thing for him to add. I'm just going to take him to, I'm going to take him right now to final tribal because I know that I've played a better game to him at this point. I don't want him to be able to add anything more to his resume. And I'm going to put Jake in fire against Katara because Jake makes a great fire and he's better at Katara than that. And Jake could take out Katara. And it was so funny. Thank God that she didn't like, I'm so happy that we finally got somebody that was like, not a chance. I'm going to fire. I'm not even considering it. Um, because I, I, I think that the only way that you should go, you should even consider going into fire is if you perceive yourself as the massive underdog, obviously. So happy that she didn't feel the pressure to like do that or anything. Um, and I think she, she basically made obviously the, the perfect decision here. Yeah, it's so interesting. I I said I I actually uh, maybe I'll update it now with 45 four and 40, 44 and 45, but I remember creating like a little table and sending it to you and, you and your brother and I was like, you know, does the person that always get taken are they like guaranteed to lose? Are they perceived as the goat? And I remember now like it's not always the case because I remember in 39, I forgot that Nora won the final challenge and she takes Tommy. And then Tommy, you know, crushes it in the end because uh, Tommy played a pretty uh, solid game without any advantages. But like Austin gets taken here and he still gets three votes. Um, so I feel like getting taken is not always a death, death sentence. Like, yes, she didn't want Austin to make the fire, like you said, to further build his resume in front of the jury. He takes out Katura, for example. And then people are like, oh, well, Austin was really good and he made fire. I was going to vote for D, but now I should vote for Austin instead. So, yeah, she was she was probably right to just take Austin and then have Jake and Katara battle it out because neither of them had a shot anyway. Um, and I think her kind of like, kind of like, you know, putting like a, like a clamp on Austin to be like, I'm not going to let you get any more respect from the jury was probably a smart one. But like, obviously it wasn't a death sentence as a GOAT because Austin still got three votes and almost took it. So I think if you look at fire making from 35 until now, so we have 10 seasons of data, Dylan, I think you, you can't really predict fire making because it's obviously so crazy and random. But I would say from my my knowledge, we have a pretty even spread of people who like have 
excuse me, people who have, you know, uh, won the fire making challenge like Gabler and won the game. People who have been brought like um, Tommy and who have won. And then you have people who um, win the final, final, final four fire making or final four challenge and they win the game. Ironically, D is the first final four winner since uh, Chris Underwood to win the game. So anybody who won immunity in those last, you know, seven seasons hasn't won the game. So I think that's why fire making, and this is probably why Jeff loves it because it has so much variety and variability to it. I wish it was a vote, but I can see what the appeal for someone like Jeff is. Yeah. I, I, I'm personally, I'm personally fine with the fire making. Like I, a lot of people don't want it. I I'm okay with it. Um, and, and yeah, I, I think also like when you think about it and you think about the decision that D made here, like, like if, if you're thinking like, okay, you think to yourself, all right, I know Jake's going to get no votes or, or maybe one vote max. And you, you know that you have a better argument than Austin. Like even like you and Austin are making most of the same arguments, but there's no way that Austin's getting the majority against her because you at least have that, that, that specific point over Austin. And you could say, well, I did tell Julie about, about the, to play the idol. And then all of a sudden Austin doesn't know that. And he looks, he looks kind of dumb in that situation. So it's like, you, you know, you have the leg up there for sure. Katura, it's like, all right, if Katura goes, like, she has a lot of friends in the jury. There's a lot of unknown. So I think it's like, even though maybe if she, maybe if she, if she does put Austin into fire and he loses and she goes with Katura and Jake, like maybe she does end up winning by higher margin. But I also think that there's like a possibility that like things go wrong there. Um, and again, I still think D wins, but like there is that possibility. Whereas like Austin, you know that you're going to sell that point against Austin. He's going to be sitting next to you and you're going to basically make him look bad because you have that point. Um, whereas that point is not as like shocking. It, it's still a little bit shocking. It's not as like big of a shock value if Austin's not sitting next to you when you release that information. So I, I think it was a hundred percent the right move. Um, and we could talk a little bit about this final tribal council. Like, this was, Jeff said, this is going to be a war. This was a war. Like, I, I was loving it. Like, they were going back and forth. I thought Austin did like a fantastic job for his for his situation. Like, you knew that D was going to release that information. You knew that Austin was not going to be able to control that. But I thought that Austin did a great job of selling his game. Um, and, like, if you look back at it here, like, again, I, I didn't think Austin was getting any, any respect from the jury. He played a phenomenal game. He was in control the entire time for the most part. Um he was part of the Reba Alliance um, the entire way. He was somebody who received no votes throughout the entire game. So that was, I think, extremely impressive for a guy that comes on and you extremely perceive you, you perceive him as being challenged threat, the guy who is going to kind of dominate um, or, or be a big threat, and he ends up getting no votes. So I thought he sold his game pretty well. I thought he played off the fact that he used two idols wrong well. I thought he sold it from a direction of like, well, I didn't even need to. I didn't even need the idols to get here. Like I, I screwed up the idol plays and it didn't matter. Um, or or I or he kind of framed it as like I, I gave it to Julie because that was more important to give it to Julie, and then I flushed it. Like I thought he did a good job of framing his game in a different way that I saw it, and I think a lot of the audience did see it. Yeah, I mean, Dylan, it was a very fun final tribal, the most fun final tribal in a long time. Um, Jeff was right. It was a war as advertised. I mean, look, the irony is not lost upon me that, <coughs> excuse me, sorry. Um, the irony is not lost upon me that, like, this was still the new final tribal format where people, like, aren't standing up and they're kind of just discussing. But, like, these were individual questions, like, Sorry. Um, <laughs> this wasn't like um, Jeff doing the whole like, all right, now let's get to the outlast part of the game. Let's get to the outwit where it feels so forced. Like this was right. like, Kendra, ask your question. Katara, ask your question. Drew, ask your question. Like they were still sitting. It wasn't like the whole get up, Sue Hawk, Corinne, whatever. But like it felt still very individual, which made it more fun. And it gave people chances to like bounce back. And I thought that made it a really fun tribal. Also, the fact that before we even got there, we got the jury speak segment. And that was actually almost like fallen comrades where they were like, oh, Kendra, she was like this. Bruce was like this. So love that as well. Clearly, like I, we've been saying the whole season, you could see they're starting to use the season with the 90 minutes and start to get their way back to some old school stuff, which is really fun. But you're right, Dylan. It was a war in the sense that like 
the perfect example, like Austin tries to own his game and say, and obviously the, the cherry on top that we mentioned was like her revealing the whole Julie information that Austin didn't know. And that kind of sealed the win for her. But like Austin's like, look, D played a great game. She was trying to do like a Sandra, anybody but me, which D took offense to. And I'm glad D pushed back on it. And he was like, look, I made moves. I had a hand in the Kelly vote and the Kendra vote. And the main reason why we were able to kind of destroy Bello. And that's also why the season was kind of fun, Dylan, because this was obviously a very clear in hindsight, a, a Paganging, like very simply yeah. of Bello. But the way that it was edited didn't make it feel that way. Like each episode, right. I didn't feel like, oh my God, this is just like another Bella going home. But like, so I feel like the editors did a good job there. But to this point, Austin says, we were able to dominate Bella as well because I was able to bring in Emily from the Swap Tribe. That gave us an extra number. So I had a lot of a lot to do right. with our success. And then D goes, sure. But I had to bring in Katora. And we've seen many times in this post-merge, Dylan, Katora brings information back to D. Like... Kendra says to Katura, D's got to go. Katura runs back to D and says, oh, D, uh, Kendra saying your name. You see Jake say to Katura last week, we're voting for uh, Drew. And Katura's like, I'm not going to say anything. And then you see that scene where like she's jumping up and down with D, like, oh, we're going to vote Drew out. So D's like, no, no, no. I also brought in Katura, who gave us <coughs> information. And I was the one who led the Kendra vote. Anybody coming against me went home. So... I thought Dee did a great job at owning her game there as well. Yeah, I I think she did a great job. I think, you know, we kind of saw it edited as, like, bringing Emily was the big move, but, like, also, like, bringing Katara was equally as big of a move for Dee, and I thought that she, the fact that she, like, brought that up was good. Um, and, and yeah, I, I just, I think this was just, in general, a really awesome final tribal council and did feel more old, old school and less, like, forced. Um, one sec, I'm just, I'm just plugging in my computer here. I got to make sure I think that's no, you're good. No worries. Um, but yeah, like you said, fun final travel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're good. We're good. Okay. Uh, so, um, yeah, I, I I really like this final travel council. Um, hilarious moment with D and Bruce. Um, Bruce, who by the way was completely silent at travel council, we did not get anything from him. Um, ends up voting for Austin. Um, D D yells D yells at Bruce during the final travel council and says. You should have played it. You should have played your idol. And then everyone laughs. And then he like he has like a straight face and like he's not amused by it. So I I don't think that's the reason he voted Austin. I think he already had his mind made up. But that that was pretty that was pretty funny. Um, and not the smartest thing I've ever seen by D. But it, it, it's funny how she she spoke she spoke about that uh, in her in her post game press. She was like, I don't know like what made me do that, but it was probably really dumb in hindsight. But like like <laughs> my intrusive thoughts won. <laughs> I I did see that in the post press. She was like. I tried to play this game very smart. Like some of the things that, that I would say in real life, I would try to like dial that back and not say it in the game. Clearly she was like, she said in the post game press, like clearly this kind of slipped out. Like I would have said that in real life to my friends, like, Hey dummy, you should have done this. And I think you're also right where Bruce was probably already going to vote Austin, but that kind of just like locked it in no matter what. Um, to get to these votes still, and speaking of Bruce's vote, let me know if you saw anything in the post game press, because I saw D mention this, and I think Austin mentioned this as well. The five three decision wasn't super shocking to me. I know I didn't think it was going to be seven one like the others. I thought maybe it was going to be like six two. Mm-hmm. So uh, look, Drew was always going to vote Austin. They were boys. JT Steven. I never had any doubt Drew was voting Austin. Bruce, I could have seen him voting for Austin. I think they had a couple conversations on the show, and I could see Bruce voting for him. Kendra was the biggest surprise for me. I, I did not all the D votes like Emily, Julie, um, Caleb, Kelly. I I saw all the Katura. Those all were fine to me. Do you understand Kendra's vote? Because I feel like, and I don't want to like generalize here, but I know Kendra had the whole confessional like a woman's going to win this season. Um, I thought she and D had a pretty good relationship. I don't. Maybe you saw something in the post game press I didn't see, but I know both D and Austin said. Oh, the one vote that surprised us was Kendra. Do you have any thoughts about this? I think Kendra said, based on what I saw, it seemed like that she kind of made the vote because she like worked with Austin more. Um, so I think she was able to like get more insight into like what his game actually looked like. And I guess for that reason, she just was surprised that he made it to the end or like impressed that he made it oh. to the end and was able to and voted for him. But I think that early in the game, like 
I'm pretty sure that they were they were working together at some point, or they were. I, she, I think she she mentioned either on Twitter or I saw something post game that she said that she felt like from her her prior relationship with Austin was what uh, like made her vote for him. I just remembered. I completely forgot that she was on that swap, swap tribe with him. When they swapped, it was her and Brando versus Austin and Drew. Like obviously, Austin and Drew took out her ally and Brando. But I forgot. Yes, yeah, she had a longer working relationship with Austin, and she probably, maybe she wanted a woman to win the season. But I guess, like you said, she knew Austin for longer in the game. Maybe they had more strategic conversations, or maybe Austin was a bit like more open than D was with her. So that doesn't. That, I guess that that's fine. But that makes sense. Right, and then so yeah, we have the votes for D being Emily, Julie, Caleb, Katara, and Kelly, and we have the votes for Austin being Bruce, Drew, and Kendra, as you said. So one other thing here. Uh, we get a, a a last classic Emily uh, uh, Emily crush it too at the at the voting booth where where she says uh, where, where she 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 votes for D and threatens her is like if you spend one penny on this boy I'll I'll fly down to Miami and take it for you hilarious moment um, I think w- one thing that I want to tie back here um, to the actual final tribal council is like Emily's question to D and D's answer and how it kind of made me like change my perspective a little bit yeah. on like honestly the game as a whole like she basically like asked d like when were you able to separate um your your head and your heart like how were you able to separate emotions from it and make this make the right strategic strategic move and she was like no like my heart and my brain are one like i i make the moves based on you know what my heart says to do and the rest takes care of itself basically and I thought that was so interesting. And like, it really is like, I've always kind of viewed, you know, I've always been not, I want to say unable to understand the social game. Cause obviously I podcast, but I understand the social game, but like, I've always been more able to like understand the strategy behind everything. And like social game is always kind of hard to interpret based on the edit. So it's like harder to break down on a podcast and stuff like that. But like, this was just like so clear and such like a clear breakdown of why social game matters so much, how D was able to play such a great social game. Like it just like, I think that survivor after all these years finally figured out and it's probably the 90 minutes that helps a lot, but they finally like were able to like edit a dominant social game and show exactly what that looks like. And it, it, it honestly, like it changed my perspective. I think another thing is something that D did here in the season and I think maybe a staple of an, of the new era and something that people try to replicate is like between last season and Survivor 44 with the Tika three and this season with the Reba four mm-hmm. and them kind of all being able to carry each other, at least two of them make the final three. I think, you know, you're kind of seeing the return of like dominant alliances. And if I was going out on the Island tomorrow to play Survivor 46, well, they already finished. If I was going out <laughs> to play, if I was going out on the island tomorrow to play Survivor 47, my first order of business would be to try and create. I would just literally create as many bonds as I could, deal with the strategy later. I would, as long as hopefully I was not in the losing tribe, in the tribe. Hopefully I was not. Hopefully my starting tribe is not Lulu. <clears throat> but if I was out there, I would just literally do my complete best to just spend the entire pre-merge just building as many bonds as I could while trying not to appear is like I'm purposely doing that Um, because it is really pretty clear of how strong these social bonds and alliances can carry you in the new, in the new era. So I think like, again, D kind of put it all into perspective for me. Like the fact that I had a dominant, so the fact that she had a dominant social game kind of took care of her, took care of itself and maybe some moves that, she always had the information, right? And she didn't really have to be worried about being the target much because she had two people, and for most of the game, three people who were always going to go to the bat bat for her no matter what, um, and were never going to bring up her name. So yeah. she basically just like throughout the entire game by her social game maximized her chances to get to the end, and and it, and it worked out perfectly. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I'm very happy that with the 90 minutes, we are able to see more of a social game and see how that works because I think I think here's a perfect example. Because obviously, you know, we, we praised Jam Jam's great social game last season. And there's no doubt that Jam Jam is up there in terms of social players like a Michelle Fitzgerald. 
but this still this is, this proves the point. Like, imagine if Ko Rong had 90-minute episodes, because all we heard after Ko Rong was Aubrey was robbed, Michelle didn't deserve it. Like, this is this is terrible. And you know, I feel like a lot of us, you know, that are fans of the show say, yeah, Aubrey played a great game, but we can't deny Michelle's social game really won her the game, especially when the swing votes on that jury were probably the Scots and the Jasons of the world. And I think a 90-minute uh, season, 90-minute episode season, really lets us see a social game play out more often because you see more of the connections that are being made and how someone like D became, even in the Reba alliance, became so well insulated. And I really feel like you have to focus on a social game in this new era of Survivor where if you make any big move, anything public, your name goes right to the top of the list. And the fact that D, and this is a credit to her and her winning game, Everybody that D wanted to go home went home. Jay, Caleb, Kendra, Emily, anyone that uh, D wanted gone went home. So you would think, oh, well, like Jesse, like Shan, she's going to get targeted right away. She was pretty well covered the whole time. So that's the power of a great social game. And to your point, if you go out and play 47, 48, and beyond, you need to make bonds. Now, obviously, you can't go out and make alliances with everybody because they'll target you for being, you know, too, you know, sloppy. But create that dialogue. Say to people that I'm going to look out for you. If you if you hear my name, let me know. I'll let you know. And just really focus on that social game. Because, again, we would love every season, Dylan, to be like the season where a great social player is also a great strategic player and the best player wins. Doesn't always happen. But it's clear that in the last few seasons especially, and for most of Survivor, the jury first and foremost is always going to vote for who they like the best, no matter what. Whether you play the best game or not. It's very simple. So... You got to focus the most on the social game. The social game is the most important. Focus on that. The jury's going to vote for who they like. And if you're able to be strategic and make your moves happen without you being too public, I think that's that's the key there. Yep. Yep. I think I think you hit the nail on the head. And I, I guess one like last thing I want to talk about um, on this podcast um, before we uh, head out here and take our break, um, our two month break. Um, I think like, and we can talk about this. I don't know where exactly I would rank D in terms of winner. I don't know exactly where I'd rank this season yet. I don't know exact numbers, but yeah. I've said it before on this podcast in previous weeks. I was loving this season. I think the season had the exact ending it needed, the ideal ending. I think we got a winner that like really like resonated with the survivor community. I think was very well liked. I think that people recognize she played a dominant game and it's been a long time since we've had a dominant winner. I think you have to go back to obviously winners at war with Tony, but again, that was an all winner season. But like, I think, you know, if you look back at season 39, you can make an argument that Tommy played a very, very similar game to D um, in terms of like dominant social game got to the end and won. I think the difference is that <laughs> Tommy unfortunately played on a season that everybody despised, whereas D played on a season where everybody loved um, so if you let's let's just say that we we give D the tiebreaker there uh, over over Tommy because of that, uh, you could even go back to like a uh, Wendell right and and say like did did she play the best um, new new player game since Wendell like I she played a great game. Bottom line that I was going to get to with this point is like I think that when you, when people look back at the season in five years from now, it's probably going to be a season that had a massive, massive impact on the new era going forward. Um, I think we're getting a lot of returnees from this season, like a lot. Like I, I would not be surprised to see six or seven eventually come back. Um, again, I don't know. I don't know. It, it all depends on how many new, 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 new return, uh, how many new seasons and how many returnee seasons they actually want to do. Mm -hmm. um, but I could see D coming back in the future. I could see Austin coming back in the future. I could see Jake coming back in the future. I could see Emily coming back in the future if she changes her mind and actually wants to come back. Uh, I could see Caleb coming back in the future. I could see Kelly coming back in the future. Like there's so many players on this season. Um, and, and did I leave anybody out? I may have, I don't know. But um, I could see so many players on, the, I could see Drew coming back even, right? Jeff absolutely loved his uh, his literary references, his confessionals, Survivor loved him. They threw him in of so many confessionals. He's a major narrator. Narrator, Like I could see so many players from this season coming back. So I think that this season is going to age really well. I think it's going to have a big impact on the new era for future attorney seasons, for how people play. Um, 
And I know right now, if you look at, I believe Dalton Ross uh, updated his season rankings, and I believe he had this ranked uh, 20, I believe, as like the top new era season by one over uh, uh, season 44, which he had at 21. I think it's higher than that. Uh, I probably think that this is a top probably 15 season, um, and I think it's going to age really well. So I just wanted to say, like, Shout out to Survivor 45. I think it was it was awesome and I really, really enjoyed it a lot. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it's it's still uh so hard to rank some of these seasons because a lot of them have like nostalgia for us. Like and Dylan, that's why it's, it's such a hard question. Cause a, a, right. a new season, 46 could be the best thing I, we've ever seen. And I still don't think I could ever put it higher than like, you know, heroes versus villains and like you know, Pearl Islands and stuff. Like the nostalgia factor is gonna be a big part of this. But like you're right, in terms of the season itself. I have to go back and think about it Some, somewhere between for me, like see like 18 through 20 through 25. So like, I think it's, it gets like a middle placement for sure. It's not obviously like a top 10, but it's also not like a bottom 15 at all. Like this is a really good season. Definitely the best of the new era really did a great job with the 90 minutes, had some great characters. Blind sides were fun. We had some great idle plays post merge was really interesting. Um, Classic elements came back, like an actual, actual tribe swap, the survivor auction, them trying to do like a jury uh, fallen comrade slash kind of like an old school final tribal. <clears throat> Lots of great things. Obviously loses some points. Um, thinking back, the pre-merge was really slow. I know the two quits were not great, but even like the Brandon vote was a mercy kill. Sabaya's Sabaya was a great vote. Sabaya maybe should come back on like a second chances type of season, not like an all-stars, but maybe like a Kelly Wentworth pre-merger second chance thing for Sabaya. Um like the Brando vote. Um Jay was like the um the mergatory boot. Pre-merge, including the quits, was really kind of slow thinking back to it. Um post-merge was really, really fun. So it loosens some points for that. And I think it also loses points because final nine was a really bad episode. We had two great votes with Caleb and Kelly back to back. Then they slow it to a halt by saying, we're going to split you up into three tribes, the journey, you're going to risk your vote. So it loses points there. But I think to your point, it would fall in for me in between 18th and like 25th, somewhere in that range, but really, really fun season. Great cast of characters. I could also see six or seven people back eventually, not at once, but like over time. And yeah, D overall as well, like you were talking about with whole and other new school winners d played a very dominant game easily could have her up there because she was really never in danger except for at the final five and anyone she wanted to go home went home so masterful game by d really fun to see her play yeah and one last thing we could talk about i guess to segue to segue into next season is like we got the weirdest trailer first season of all time (laughs) Uh, with the survivor with the survivor 46 preview now i want everybody listening to this podcast to go back and watch the survivor 45 preview that they showed after survivor 44 and then go back and watch this survivor 46 preview and wow i, I don't know what they were doing here or what what i don't know what they were cooking i don't know what they're cooking but man cook. man man uh Survivor 4045 had a great trailer. Like if you, I look back at it, I'm like, wow, like that was a really good trailer. This, I don't know what this was. This somebody said this feels like the preview to a preview, which, <laughs> which is what I almost think it was. Um it they kind of just showed audition tapes and not like actual like stuff on the like not an actual like preview of it. So that that was a little bit interesting. We see like all these people in like their homes or like at work. Uh, in or in their audition taste, we don't actually see them like on Survivor, except for the guy who is yelling like, "Oh, it's a buff!" So uh, that should be fun. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't know what to think about this. Here's one thing I will say: <laughs> I feel I, 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 I almost feel bad for Survivor 46 because it is going to be very hard to follow up the season that we just had, in my opinion. So, so I think like like coming off like a. a a season that pretty much universally seems like pretty loved uh cast seems pretty loved uh winner people love like your new survivor 46 they have they have big shoes to fill so we're gonna have to see what happens dylan i mean listen you're right you never know i mean that's a very clear syndrome that you have a great season and the next one doesn't match up and it's sad like Kyrus versus villains and you have nicaragua you have um winners at war then you have 41 but sometimes it works out. Cambodia was great. 
but next right. was Corong. So right, right, you, right. You, you never know. 46 obviously has big shoes to fill, but if they're going, and this is a great segue as well before we wrap up, if they take things from 45, they can make this a fun season too. Because what do we know? What we know so far about 46 is that it's also 90-minute episodes. Mm-hmm. The first two episodes are actually two hours each. So the premiere is two hours. Episode two, excuse me, <coughs> is also two hours. The rest of the season's all 90 minutes, except for the finale. But Jeff didn't know that when they were filming. Jeff knew because of the strike with 45, you're going to have 90-minute episodes go wild. Jeff found out after filming 46, because they did them back-to-back, right. you're going to have 90 minutes. So now they can use some of the editing tricks to really make it a great season. Because, Dylan, we always see them film back-to-back seasons. They take things from one season to the next, like the phrases, like the beads, or like uh, like changing up the advantages stuff. They could bring back the tribe swap again. So that'd be great, bring back the tribe swap. And I think the tribe swap would also be fun, Dylan, because in this season, it was a swap, but like, all the Bellows got swapped together. All the Rebas got swapped together other than one tribe. So I would love a really fun tribe swap where everybody gets scattered. Right. And then they could bring the auction back too. So if they use what they did in 45 for 46, you're right. They have big shoes to fill. But I think if they take some of it, they can really hopefully make it a great season because they did film back to back. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, so that premieres, I believe it's February 28th, I think. Uh, so we got like two months until then. Um, we'll let you know if uh, we're doing any off-season content. If not, then we will be back uh, that Wednesday. Or I, I want to well, say the, that the Wednesday. Cast I would, preview. I, I wait. I yeah. Oh yeah, we'll be back for the cast preview, right? So one of these nights, I, I assume based on what we've seen recently, the cast preview and vote videos will probably drop on February, probably twenty, probably February seventh around, um, like three weeks before. So if the season premieres February 28th, then three weeks before would be February 7th. Um, or it could be, you know, even even like January 31st, potentially. Um, so we'll see what happens. Uh, we will talk casts soon enough. Um, and until then, uh, got nothing for you. <laughs> until then, yeah. Um, that's a wrap on 45. Thank you, everybody, for, as always, watching with us. I say this after every season, but... Always fun to podcast with you, Dylan. Always fun to interact with the audience. And it just is a fun thing to talk with the Survivor community about. So very happy to be a part of it. Yes, for sure, Ryan. Thank you for another great season of podcasting. Thank you to everybody who listened. And we will see you for Survivor 46. For the last time for 45, grab your torches and head back to camp. Good night.